During the pandemic, uh, the QAnon movement has been, appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much. Remember QAnon? Explain to people who don't know what, yeah. what this QAnon shit Well, the QAnon is. stuff is like th there is this idea that there's an intelligence dissemination operation happening, meaning behind the scenes, high-level intelligence guys or military people are leaking information about a shadow war that we don't really see happening. That wild conspiracy that took hold over countless minds, convincing people that there was a secret war happening in America between Donald Trump and the political leaders in the Democratic Party who, according to QAnon, were all involved in a complex and incredibly complicated child and human trafficking operation that had ties to the occult and devil worship. And that an anonymous internet user who went by Q was slowly leaking clues to how the final battle between good and evil in US politics would shake out. Posing as a very high-ranking intelligence official, Q would post messages, known as drops. And Q's followers turned this into a massive game, trying to decipher what Q meant with each drop. Entire cottage industries grew out of this conspiracy. YouTube celebrities and social media influencers would garner millions of hits as they discussed the latest Q drop. It became a subculture, a big one. And I think QAnon got, you know, um a lot bigger in 2020, you know, all of a sudden you have a lot of people who are at home during the pandemic. They might be worried about the, the, the disease or they might be worried about, you know, their own economic well-being. And but for all these reasons, they're at home, they're online more, more susceptible to the mystics that's out there. And QAnon grows and it's talking a lot about making a lot of promises about, you know, Trump being elected in in November, Trump does not get elected. So we all know what happens after that. But in that span of time between January 6th and January 20th, where you know, Biden gets inaugurated, you still have a lot of QAnon uh, influencers saying how you know, Biden's never going to get to be president. Trump is going to swoop in if some kind of angel figure, or, you know, thunder is going to you know, blow everybody to smithereens. Um, and the, Trump's enemies are going to be executed publicly in Washington, D.C. It was a wild time to be alive. And while the QAnon cult continued to evolve in 2020, now, to be fair, many followers became disenchanted that Q's war, known as the Storm, never came. But one particular figure who went by Ghost Ezra online took his turn at the Q conspiracy. Posting racial and homophobic slurs, insulting members of the LGBTQ community, and even making death threats. Ghost Ezra's online popularity grew. And this episode is about the people who brought him down and how they used OSINT to do it. This is Cloak and Dagger, a podcast about OSINT, technology, and global conflict. I'm MJ Benias. This podcast is powered by Sapper Labs Group. For more, visit www.sapperlabs.com.
you had a lot of, you know, QAnon followers who would have to face the music and then all of a sudden one realized, okay, this did not happen. And what we noticed in that span of time, right around January 20th, is that a lot of far-right groups were raiding QAnon um, groups on Telegram and other social media channels to try and radicalize what was left of the movement. So um, I'm Nick Bakovic. I work for Logically AI. I'm an OSINT specialist there. Logically AI targets mis- and disinformation with the intention to fact-check, log, and essentially sort out the fiction from reality online. And more importantly, they figure out who is spreading what information into what internet ecosystem. Because you would have people who would be like completely disenchanted. Some would be like, you know, I've been lied to, this was all a lie. And some would be angry. And I mean, that's something that, you know, extremism does is taps into that anger to radicalize even more. And all of a sudden, you know, some of the, the, the QAnon influencers who were big up until that point just disappeared. But you had this ghost Ezra figure that popped out of virtually nowhere because he was sort of a small to medium influencer in the Twitter days. As they moved to Telegram, now had, I think at the time, around 340,000 followers on Telegram. But what was really different about this, this influencer is that it was far more radical. Like you, it wasn't unusual to see anti-Semitism, for example, in, you know, QAnon influencers posts. But this was straight up neo-Nazi and white supremacist propaganda that was being shared by Ghost Ezra. Twenty twenty initiated a sort of pivot in the American extremist far right. QAnon was this useful rallying cry in its early days back in 2017. It galvanized people into believing that they were part of some righteous holy war. But after the prophecies never came true and Donald Trump never swooped in to retake the White House in a blaze of military glory surrounded by ranks of angels, well, some ideological adjustments needed to be made. There were elements of extremism that, you know, this sort of, you know, if we go back all the way, QAnon escaped the chans, you know, which, you know, there's definitely elements of, of hate in those spaces, but not to the, the point where what we would see later on, well, not necessarily at least. Just to jump in here, the chans, these are basically online bulletin board forums, uh, like 4chan and 8chan. A, a sort of bizarre mix of thousands of channels that range from anime fandom to video gaming to even white supremacy. While 4chan is still going strong, 8chan and 8kun, its most recent incarnation, they don't really exist anymore at least not on the clear web. And, um, you know, when in 2020, what was different also, and now you, QAnon sort of got laundered into the masses with, with COVID, right? So it wasn't just, you know, people on, on, on 4chan, 8chan, 8kun following this, trying to decode it. You had, you know, your everyday mom and dad who all of a sudden were using QAnon slogans because they had seen it, you know, on mainstream platforms or, you know, their neighbor was talking about it. In this fractaling of the Q subculture, Ghost Ezra was different. So, you know, the, when we first really started paying attention to Ghost Ezra, it was like, out of nowhere, this this person has 340,000 followers. And like, you know, when we say we're, we're here trying to, you know, reduce online harm, 
you know, sometimes that can be a very tough definition. Like, what is online harm? And here we have, you know, straight up neo-Nazi propaganda being shared. Um, and so we're like, okay, generally when we see this, we're like, okay, we're going to try to, you know, find out who this is. And, you know, not every time that we de-anonymize somebody, are we going to be like, we're going to publish this because it's not going to be always in public interest, right? But this is, and when it's something like this, we want to find out. Sometimes we just want to know, is this a real person? Is this a coordinated, you know, campaign? And in this case, it proved it wasn't, you know, the easiest task to de-anonymize this person. Although, you know, by going through the, you know, trail that they left, we would pick up on clues here and there that led us eventually to you know, getting closer. So Nick and the team began looking at Ghost Ezra's Telegram channel. So essentially it was, you know, me was working alongside uh, my colleague at the time, Jordan Wilden, and my colleague to this day, Joe Ondrak. And what we did, first, first of all, because in these channels, a lot of um, influencers will post their own media, right? So, I mean, that is... You know, the first thing that we did is go through the Telegram channel and, you know, it was definitely not a painless endeavor to look through, you know, every piece of media content that Ghost Ezra shared and started noticing a little few clues here and there. Like, you know, it, it would be a screenshot taken from a phone and you have like a few, you know, symbols at the top that may indicate, okay, it's this service provider or, you know, this person is using this app. Um, now, one thing that actually put a little confusion into the mix is that these influencers sometimes post original pictures and sometimes will post pictures that they've taken from other accounts just you know downloaded and sent across as if their own so it could you know throw some out and throw you off in in your investigation being like okay maybe you know they're using this but when you notice like nine out of ten have like you know an ebay icon or an Amazon seller icon. You're like, okay, there's a chance that this person is selling something on Amazon, something on eBay. Um, so we compiled all of that. And eventually, you know, there was the infamous post where Ghost Ezra is complaining about gas prices. Gas prices. I mean, it's something so innocuous and so harmless. Yet... Every single O-Center will tell you this. It becomes a game of finding missteps that a target makes. That one error that opens up a plethora of other clues. And in Ghost Ezra's case, I'm sure it made him wish he owned an electric car. And so the post there is a close-up shot of a gas pump with the price. In the back, it's, you know, nighttime, can't see much, you know. And... So that day we were like, you know, I was talking to, to my colleague Jordan and we were like, okay, well, surely we can do something with this. And so we look, okay, gas prices, you know, which states were, you know, out there were charging, you know, that price per gallon in an upward trend. Because surely if the prices were going down, Ghost Desert wouldn't be complaining about the gas prices, right? So we narrowed it down to, and you know, it was a shell station or something. You know, so that, they have, I don't know how many thousand locations across the U.S. So looking at all of them one by one would be a, we'd still be doing it right now, probably. Um, but we narrowed it down to three states, three um, states. And it was, I think, Florida, Tennessee, and dare I say Georgia, but somewhere somewhere in that region, too. And so, uh, just be super clear. So you basically just looked at like a gas price monitoring website? Yeah, 100%. Oh, I believe yeah. in more. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, sometimes you have some that are pretty close, some that are, you know, okay, you can say maybe, maybe this one and some are like, you know, so far off, like, you know, if in Pennsylvania, it's a dollar more and in the Northeast, it's a dollar more than it is in, in, in that region of the U.S. So using a website that tracks gas prices across the U.S., Nick narrowed it down to three states that basically had the same price of gas listed on the pumps the night Ghost Ezra took that photo. There are a couple of posts also that you know Ghost Ezra mentioned. Uh, I think it was the JFK Medical Center. You have a few of them, but one of them's in Florida. So we're like, okay, this could be it out of the three. And we ended up geolocating the exact spot of that Shell station, you know? And so with the JFK Medical Center in the region, the Shell station, and I think he mentioned going bowling like once a week somewhere. You know, there was a bowling alley too that we also, you know, staked out on Instagram just in case it could get something. Um, but we had a general area of like, you know, an eight mile radius where we were pretty confident that, you know, he'd be somewhere in there. We just found a needle in a haystack. We need another one and we're going to need some time on it. And we're like, how do we do this? Nick and the team went back to the beginning. They began to review Ghost Ezra's content for clues. They needed something that stuck out, that could be searched, a, a pattern. They needed another slip-up. A couple of the videos also had um, a silhouette icon, like as from a, a profile picture of a, just a black silhouette at the bottom with like, in the, and this was a live stream of a video and it was comment as Robert S. You know, and we we're like, oh, maybe that's him. You know, maybe it's not. This part's a bit confusing, so let me explain. Ghost Ezra posted a couple screenshots of a YouTube live stream he was watching. And at the bottom corner where the chat box is, this is where a user can comment during a live stream, was the name Robert S., and a, a curious little profile picture of a black silhouette with a white question mark. So it became imperative to find out if this Robert S. profile was actually Ghost Ezra, or was this just a random screen grab from somewhere else on the internet and another dead end. The hunt was on. At that point, you also had a lot of impersonators like try to be Ghost Ezra or had like a name. So we'd be like, okay, let's not get thrown off. Let's just stick to the accounts that we know are related to the Telegram account in some capacity. When we saw that Robert S, I was like, okay, that's possibly something, but we can't be sure because it could be, again, a screenshot that, you know, he shared from somebody else. But I decided, I woke up one morning, you know, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to see if that gas station, the Shell gas station, has any reviews on Yelp and Google. And lo and behold, the first comment that I see is the same black silhouette and Robert S. And I'm like, okay, this is very weird. This is, you know, pretty big for coincidence, but let's see what else Robert S. has to say on Yelp and Google. Next thing I see is a review of the local synagogue, where it has a review of one star and it says, not nice. That's his comment. So, okay, we have the same icon as, you know, you seen in a Ghost Ezra picture. 
um, very close to the actual location, we believe, raiding local synagogues. I mean, already this is not normal behavior, but, you know, perhaps normal if you are, you know, a rabid anti-Semite. And so we're like, okay, this is kind of interesting. So both Ghost Ezra and Robert S. are connected to the same gas station, one via a telegram post and a photo, and the other via a Yelp review. And that's near a JFK medical center that Ghost Ezra mentioned once, and a local bowling alley that Ghost Ezra may have frequented. Robert S. had also commented on a synagogue in the same eight-mile radius. So this begs a really big question. Who the hell is Robert S.? Because of, you know, he posted this on Google, we were able to get the Google ID. And, I mean, this was probably the trickiest part of the puzzle because you, you don't have like a million ways to convert a Google ID into an email address. But using an in-house tool, we were able to do that. And so we ended up having the guy's email address, which revealed his entire identity. Yeah, so tools like this exist. They're out there. You can Google it. You're on your own with this one. Anyway, they were now able to locate a whole bunch of other social media accounts tied to Robert S. Friends, family, his wife, it all just kind of opened up. And to be honest, this was all pretty vanilla stuff. Facebook family pictures, vacation photos, him on dates with his wife, um, you know, photographs of their house and their living room, various other selfies. It was just, you know, the usual stuff people post on their socials. When we looked at the media um, shared in the Telegram channel. Ghost Ezra's Telegram channel. You had a couple of close-up shots of a television. And most of the time it was like an emergency alert system and it had, you know, listed counties. And yeah, I remember one of them being like, okay, these are all counties in Florida. So it connected to you know, our eight mile radius there. So we were like, okay, we'll take the picture. And everything was dark around the TV. So we played around, you know, with the contrast and the saturation of the photo to get all the details around the photo. Remember all those selfies and photos I mentioned that Robert S. and his wife took in their living room, you know, from their Facebook accounts? And I mean, that was a huge mistake on Ghost Ezra's part. After they cleared up the photo, they realized that that television was sitting on a hutch and people put all kinds of things on their hutch. You had a fake plant there. You had also, you know, a, a picture of a child on top of the television, which, you know, is another element that you can use to confirm somebody's identity. And, you know, a couple of other details that, you know, were there. But essentially, when we went back and we're looking, when we had the, the email address and a couple of social media accounts, um, we went on a couple of Facebook accounts, especially, I think it was his wife's account that had, you know, hour-long videos of them in the den in front of the television set and lo and behold fake plant right there and that cheap fake plant brought it all crumbling down now to be fair the ghost Ezra image and the images posted to Facebook by Robert S. and his wife had a few more similarities. The photo of his son, a kitchen in the background, a sort of alcove the hutch and TV sat in, it was an exact match. Ghost Ezra and Robert S. were the same person. So we, since we were publishing a piece and I mean, we were doing our own due diligence, we 
gave Robert S. a writer reply. So we actually phoned up um, Robert S., Robert Smart. At that time, we knew his full name. And we didn't get a comment. We published um, eventually, I think it was, you know, 48 hours later or so. Robert Smart, a 40-year-old Floridian, a husband and a father, who operated multiple small online businesses predominantly as an Amazon reseller, was a practicing Baptist. You know, reviewing all this, the articles that came out about Robert Smart and the details surrounding the investigation, and even the specific information that emerged about Smart himself, I mean, sure. He fueled an entire online persona with nearly half a million followers using hate and ignorance. But he's, he's nothing really special. He's just a guy. And I remember that the day of, it was, it was actually pretty wild in his Telegram channel because people in his own channel kept calling him a fraud and sending the link to our piece. And, you know, at first, he, he like played it off like, you know, being like, ah, oh, you know, they got the wrong person, you know, mainstream media always gets it wrong kind of thing. And clearly, you know, it, it like the accumulation of, of people posting the same link got him to ban it. And so nobody would be allowed to post the link in his chat anymore. So clearly, like, you know, there was a struck a chord there. And eventually, like, I, I don't know what the, the, the number is is now, but it is his influence has gone down significantly since um, it did initially right after we, we published it. And even to this day, it just kept on going down. The date this episode was released, the Ghost Ezra account on Telegram has a little over 17,000 subscribers, down from the 340,000 he had in 2020. For many, learning who Ghost Ezra was made them jump ship. And for some, those 17,000 or so, well, I guess hope springs eternal. I think for me, it's always about bringing accountability back at the center of the ring. And I think, you know, in a couple of other times that we did this, like, you know, we, we unmasked like, quite a few high profile QAnon people. And you notice that their speech changes once people know who they are. You know, and I think, you know, this veil of the shield of anonymity people abuse uh, on the Internet. And I mean, it's really damaging to, to the discourse in general. And, you know, when it comes to like this, 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 this type of hate speech that is in these very large groups, you know, by de-anonymizing the person, it it regulates it, it brings back an element of, you know, it regulates itself after that. It doesn't get it is rid of the problem completely. The the general themes of QAnon are out there, and you know, even with, and with people who never mention Q or QAnon or never read QAnon posts on at the source. Um, so, you know, the problem still persists, but you know, some of these influencers have have lost um, their influence. QAnon may be dead and buried. But the ideas that it spread out into the world, the anti-Semitic and homophobic rhetoric, the conspiracy that liberals are engaged in a complex child trafficking operation, that there's a holy war between God-fearing Americans and quote-unquote woke culture, all the racism, the fascism, all of it, it's all still out there. 
It propagates itself through people's minds via TikTok reels and through online influencers and at political rallies. For Ghost Ezra, or Robert Smart, his 15 minutes of fame have come to an end. To borrow from Shakespeare, that muse of fire has burned out. But for the hatred men like him spread, their ideas that tear away at the fabric of democracy and freedom and justice and goodness, that worldview, the one that makes the world a much darker place, well, that still burns very brightly. I want to thank Nick Bakovic for coming on the show. I've posted links to his work and the investigation into Ghost Ezra in the show notes. For more information regarding OSINT, intelligence, and technology, visit www.saberlabs.com. If you like the show, make sure you rate and review us. Subscribe, share it on your socials, text a link to the show to everyone in your contact list. Thanks very much for listening. This is Cloak and Dagger. I'm MJ Benias, and we'll see you all here next time. Good hunting.